and um, 21, Mr. David, a familiar passage um, this morning. I'm going to speak on dismember fear and remember your awesome God. Say dismember and remember. Great is the faithfulness of our God. Lamentations 3 and 21. I found out last night about 8 I'd be speaking, so I have a short devotional. We'll call this a Sunday school lesson. We'll see how it goes. Um, Lamentations 3 and 21. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Everyone say, remember. The unfailing love of the Lord never ends. It says, this I recall to my mind, that the Lord's mercies, that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Uh, NLT says, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each day. So I say to myself, look at your neighbor and say, you might be crazy if you're not talking to yourself. Did you know you trust yourself more than you trust anybody else? I'll talk about that in a moment. So it's important what you're saying to yourself from the Word of God. That's what Jeremiah is saying in the book of Lamentations. So I say to myself, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him. Don't you love it that the mercies of the Lord are new every morning? Can you say amen? I'm going to read from Nehemiah. Um, you don't need to turn there if you don't want to. Nehemiah 4, a uh, familiar verse to me because this is a book I've well preached out of, though not necessarily preaching out of it this morning. But it's at a point in the history of the Jews that they are rebuilding the walls, just like we are being rebuilt by God. All those great makeover programs where they're makeover houses, they're making over people. Um, you know, I love the ones where they're doing plastic surgery on the wives. And, um, and the swan was one of my favorites because they'd show all the um, dismemberment that would go on. I don't know a better word for that. All the things they would do to the women. They'd show them all taped up, going through surgery, getting their nose moved to the ear. Come on, somebody. Their eye moved back to the back of their head. And they'd show all the hurting and all that was going on. At least they let you know there's pain. Say, there's pain, pain. in rebuilding. There's pain in making things over, especially when God rebuilds us. There is pain. But my funny point that I love on those shows is when they would bring the wives out at the end of the reality show. And the husband and the children, you've probably heard me refer to this before, are standing in the lobby with friends gathered. They've not seen their mommy. They've not seen their wife in weeks on end. And all of a sudden, she walks through that door, and they see her at the top of the stairs. Well, they all start crying. Everyone's cheering, but they're crying. You want to know why they're crying? They don't know who in the heck that woman is. Come on, somebody. Where is my wife, and what did you do to her? Because her nose has been moved, her ears have been moved, her head has been moved, everything happened has been moved and I often like to tease men that what the husbands are thinking is they're crying they're thinking she's gonna leave me we both married each other looking this way and now she looks like a New York City runway model that's one way of rebuilding but how many know when God rebuilds us on the inside it is perfect it is established he removes shame he removes doubt he removes discontentment and he rebuilds us as children of the most high god give him a praise for that right out of the gate this morning i'll try not to preach too hard and scare the visitors but this is a point when they're rebuilding the city of jerusalem they're rebuilding a place for future generations to worship they're rebuilding what had been destroyed by the enemy have you ever had anything destroyed in your life by the enemy have you ever had your virginity taken? Don't say yes. Have you ever had your peace taken? Don't say yes. Have you ever had taken your faith taken? 
Have you ever had things taken from you by the enemy and you found yourself not to be as great as you used to be? Guess what? In God's rebuilding program, you become better than you were before. Someone say amen and amen. And they're rebuilding the broken down walls. They're rebuilding Jerusalem, speaking it plain as I know to where you live right now. They're in the hard task and in the middle of that task, Nehemiah is one of my favorite books to preach on. I preached one time for 13 weeks on it in our school of ministry, but don't worry. But at any rate, in preaching and teaching that, I love this point. Because Tish, at this point, they're halfway through rebuilding, and all of a sudden word gets out. And word gets out and says, the enemy is coming from every direction. You ought to be encouraged when you began a real rebuilding process, when you began for the Lord to do something new in your life that the enemy begins to try to approach you. Usually it's a sign the enemy is not fighting you over what you were. What you were is gone and past. It will never live again. But what you can become and what God can accomplish through your life, through your song, through your word, that's what the enemy's fighting you over. It's not the great acts that any of us have performed in his name yesterday that the enemy might come after you and I, Pastor Todd, but he's coming after what God can bring through us to the world. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that this morning? And here they are, and this is what Nehemiah does. I'll end with this at the end, but let me go ahead. I placed guards those parts of the wall, and I sat there too, and I stationed the people. And then I said to them, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers and your sisters. Remember, someone say, remember the Lord who is awesome. Stretch one hand to heaven. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. I ask you to speak what you want spoken this morning. Speak through your little servant here. Speak into the ears and the hearts of my brothers and sisters, even what I do not say. No one comes to you, Jesus, without being changed if they are willing to be changed. So we come this morning, opening our ears and our hearts to question our minds for the next 35 minutes to receive from you and to be changed. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Look at your neighbor and say, what I like most is that 35-minute thing. <laughs> Isn't it funny how y'all, Pastor Todd always says, Pastor Ronna, please don't say how, you're, how short you're going to go. It's always such a bad omen. <laughs> but we're really going to try because I didn't get much time. I remember in 1980, after years of my father and mother working with a great denomination, there came a change in our occupation. And from living in very elaborate parsonages at that time, um, most men and women that were in this denomination did not own homes. And we had never owned a home. I was still married to Pastor Hank in our first marriage in California. And my parents moved back to Tennessee and changed occupations. In this change, they lost all their retirement. In this change, um, they had no home. Um, during this season, um, they lived in a smaller, very small home that would have fit into the corner of most of the parsonage that we had lived in. We had lived a life, a life that we had not asked to live, but we had lived a life blessed by this denomination, still love this denomination. Uh, my father was an official, and so we were flown to places. We were put in huge suites and hotels at main conferences because of the great responsibility my father had at international large conferences. It was a wonderful and a blessed life, but the change in occupation and some, some things that we hit, some trials and some hard spots as a family, caused a change in our occupation. 
So when my father and mother came back to Cleveland, I was still in California, um, they didn't have anything and were, were searching to find. My father got a job as a chaplain at Coppinger's, which is no longer in existence. I'm telling you this for a reason. And um, they had a small home. And then my grandfather, who was the first assistant general overseer of the Church of God, had bought the property, which is now the Greenway, that sits in front of Church of God headquarters. He had bought it when he was very young in the Church of God, held on to it, and then the Church of God went to buy that land. They then sold it to the city for the Greenway. But that little piece of land, when my grandfather died, he gave it to my mother. My mother and father used that to sell to buy this small home that we called Belfont. Out at Belfont, um, my parents lived in this small home, and in 1981, I joined them from California when my marriage ended, but thank God for restoration in that, amen, but came and joined them in that home. I'm telling you this because in that home, during that season of my life, the great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, came to mean so much to me. Let me just give you a little bit of a picture of what some of those days were like. You see, there's a struggle in every season of our life. There's a struggle in every season of everyone's life that's around you right now. Sometimes we want someone else's season. But what we don't understand, in every season there is a struggle. In Nehemiah, in Israel, there was a struggle. And during this season, um, as money was so, so tight, and I was too young to understand. I was 19, didn't have anything, but I didn't understand how tight things were. Um, my parents, there was different things that I don't know that I should paint a picture that we went to great lengths to save money and uh, great lengths to make every dime stretch because of where we were. I remember my mother um, washing aluminum foil, may not be a big deal, but I'd never seen that when hang it up to dry so she could reuse it. I remember all the years we'd eaten out, my mom began to learn how to make Cracker Barrel biscuits and steak gravy. Someone say amen for Cracker Barrel biscuits, steak, and gravy. Come on now. And um, we'd have pizza night on Saturday night. And it was a very different snapshot. I was coming out of a broken marriage. My parents were rebuilding a life as well. During this time, one of the sweetest memories was the sense that at night sometime there was a radio my dad would play through the house. And um, I was at such a broken time and a hopeless time of my own life with not much hope for my own future. But at, late at night there was a, a praise um, thing that played on the radio and a song would come on almost every night that I'd heard, but in this season it came to mean so much. And it was the great hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Kind of goes like this, great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. And as that song would play at night, it's just amazing. We talked about it years later. All of us in our separate rooms in a very small house, there was a peace that would settle in. I'd hear my father worshiping, my mother speaking the name of the Lord. And as a young, broken woman, something settled into my house that came from older people who knew we've struggled in other seasons you didn't know about, baby. We face things you didn't know about before, but God's faithfulness will get us through this season as well. It was in those moments that just the words of morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have ever needed, Father, thy hand hath provided. When we remember the Lord this morning, three points. Remember, recount, remember, recount, 
and reform. When we remember the Lord and his awesome ways, we remember that all we have ever needed in every season of our life. This morning, the Hope House girls aren't here, but others can relate to this. Some of us should have been dead a long time ago. But in every season of our abandonment to God, of the years of our prodigalness, of years of walking away, in every season, God kept us alive and brought us to this day. Can you say amen? So great is thy faithfulness. The song goes on to say summer and winter and springtime and harvest. In every season, I look out sometimes at my brothers and sisters. Marissa, she does my hair, whether you know that or not, on Sunday mornings just to help me so I don't have to wear a hat because then I drop my hat during worship and y'all all get distracted. But um, Marissa shows up a lot of times in a Pendleton and, and she shows up in these brown boots because they have a ranch and a farm. And whether you know it, as well as Marissa can do hair, she can rope a goat and she can chase a cow and, and she can wrestle a bull and, and probably not, but that's what I'm going to think in my mind. And so when I see her in those boots, I always say, Marissa, I wish I had a pair of boots like that. Because when I look at your life, Marissa, I think how wonderful it would be to just work all day with animals. They can't talk back to you. Come on, somebody. They can't betray you. Come on, somebody. They can kick the hyena out of you, but they can't hurt you. And just to be out there to get up, because in my mind, her season looks better than mine. You ever been there? But there's struggles in her season that she has. And you know what? She would look at me and say, Pastor Rhonda, it ain't all that great. The days are long and hard. Do you want to get up at 530 and go through the chicken farm? Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And respectfully, see, she would bring me. It's kind of like when you visit Miami and it's burning up. And you say to someone that's lived in Miami all their life. We're talking about the faithfulness of God. Remember your Lord God. But you say to someone in Miami, this is wonderful. 110 every day of your life. You must never wear shoes. You must never wear clothes. Well, that would keep me from moving to Miami, but come on, people. But you know, all this is wonderful. But someone that's been raised there all their life would say, it's not wonderful if you lived here every day of your life. It's hot and it's muggy. And there's days we want to swim to the depth of the ocean. Can I get an amen? And then you go up to Minneapolis where the snow is so high every day of their life. And, you know, the first time I went, I said, this is wonderful. Oh, to be with this snow, just to live here every day. And you could sleigh ride, hear the bells ring. I mean, you could take skiing. You could just snow, snow. And Pastor Joe Brock looked at me. He said, it's wonderful if you're just visiting for a day. But if you're here every day, you would learn that this season has its struggles. You see, I look out among us and I see Austin who gets up every day and works here at the church and then he drives to channel 12 yes he is a local hero rock star at the cbs affiliate he goes and runs the camera and i think how awesome that's phenomenal go and hobnob with the channel 12 celebrities and put them on camera and do all that tech stuff that i would just mess up so bad people will be spinning their heads like a scene off the exorcist come on someone and i think that's just wonderful austin if i could just do that but he would say pastor Rhonda, if you had to do it every day though he's thankful and highly favored he would say it's not wonderful you see there's always a struggle in a season that you cannot see someone say there's always a struggle in a season there's struggle in summer and winter and springtime but what we see this morning is great is nehemiah says remember the lord who is great and awesome this season has a struggle in it. Your season right now 
might have a struggle in it. Your company may be going through a struggle right now. And you may see another company and think, why don't they ever have a struggle? Come on, somebody. That was why Cain killed Abel. Come on, someone. Why are they not struggling? You may be feeling that way about your church, about your family, about your finances. But let me assure you, as surely as spring changes in to fall and fall or to summer and summer to fall and fall to winter and winter can I get a word for the spring? Come on, someone. As surely as the season changes, so does seasons change for each one of us. Remember the Lord who is awesome and holy and learn to speak blessings to your season. Don't curse it because he or she who curses her own season will find she stays in her season a little bit longer. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that to encourage your own self. So Nehemiah says, remember, that's our first point in this short message remember the lord who is great and awesome i remember my mama this morning all the sacrifice she made but i don't remember her the same way i remember the lord i honor my mama and the sacrifice she made for my daddy to go to college i honor my great granddaddy i honor all the great patriarchs before me but I remember today, I honor those people. I serve those people in the earth and honor them with my consistency, my steadfastness. But when it comes to a point when I need to dismember fear, I need to remember the Lord. Because fear dismembers and disfigures our perspective of God. Can I get an amen? It makes him seem like a powerless pawn controlled by some evil checkmating great chess player but when we remember the Lord when we recount his works we begin to reform our vision of his greatness and when we reform our vision of his greatness fear is dismembered let me tell you fear is the greatest sin in the church in the body of Christ it is the most socially accepted sin in the body of Christ Fear was the primary detractor of God's work being done in Nehemiah's day. And while God is rebuilding you and God is rebuilding your family and God is rebuilding you and I on the inside, making us more like Christ, rebuilding our faith to walk in the places that we should, fear comes as a serial killer. Serial killer. Fear is the prime suspect linked to every form of disorder in the earth. Autoimmune disorders, heart disease, mental illness, all began with fear. But when you remember the Lord, you remember Isaiah 54 and 14. You, the Lord says to you, you will be far from oppression for I am the Lord who is great and awesome and you will not fear. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Remember the Lord. This morning Josh sang it. Who is lovely as thee? Who is mighty as you? As I said in our prayer, one psalmist said, the mightiest of angels, the angel that took the prince of Persia on the day that Daniel prayed, the angel that flung and fought against the prince, princes of all princes, the mightiest of angels who won, killed 188,000 of God's enemy just by walking through the camp of the enemy at night. Anybody else would love to see an angel walk through the camp of the enemy? Come on, somebody. And he killed 188,000 of the Lord's enemies just by walking through their tents that they had set up 
outside the walls of the people of God. Let me say to you right now, people say new levels, new devils. And so a lot of people don't want to grow in Christ. Well, if that's what happens when I grow in Christ, I don't want any new level. I don't want to do what God has called me. If the enemy's fighting me at level A, well, then dear mercy me, I am not going to grow stronger in the Lord. But let me say something to you. When Barack Obama, or let's go back a little bit to George Bush. Come on, someone. When he became president, let me tell you something something that was a promotion and with the promotion came a great force of people the navy seals the secret service more security than you could ever imagine in your life we've had an opportunity to interview one of them it's more security if the government of the united states knows how to protect a promotion how much more does the lord your god know how to protect you and i when we are promoted in his kingdom Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. We find that fear is that serial killer. We find that King David committed adultery. We don't condone it. He killed a man. We don't condone it. But God did not remove him from his throne. He suffered severe consequences and he outlived them in his lifetime. But Saul, who feared the people that he was supposed to lead, fear of man is a snare. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You and I can only lead our families. We can only lead ourselves to the degree that we don't let the fear and the opinion of others make us choose what we wear, how we act, what we do in our life. But when we say, I love you, but I fear God, and at the end of the day, it is God I will answer to. It is God that I will owe everything. So let me love you. Let me bless you. But I'm going to fear God because Saul was removed from the kingdom because of fear. The Bible says in 1 John 4 and 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love. Someone say perfect love. Someone say perfect love. Cast out fear. Fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with punishment. And he who is afraid is not perfected in love. I remember being pregnant with uh, Courtney and the Holy Spirit kept bringing that scripture to my mind. Perfect love casteth out all fear. And the Living Bible says, if you are afraid, it shows you are not fully convinced that he really loves you. And God kept hammering that to my heart and my spirit and my devotions. I thought, what am I headed for? Well, I was headed for having a child with an open, with a heart defect, a child who may not have lived past one day and then eight days. And you know that story. But in that, God got me to the point where he said to me, do not fear Perfect love drives out fear even when your child, did I cry? Yes. Did I want to die a thousand times? But at the end of the day, when we remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, fear has to go. Can you say amen? Um, Pastor Bill Johnson says, any thought that does not inspire hope is rooted in a lie. Any thought you're thinking today that does not inspire hope is rooted in a lie. It is not from God. Daddy God is God. He calls the stars by name. Say, that's my father. Say, that's my father. Come on, say, that's my father. He spoke everything into existence. He gave his son to forgive us of our sins. So then why do we let anxiety and fear, if we trace it back, we trace anxiety and fear and worry back to one thing. We forgot 
who we are, and most importantly, whom we belong to, who we belong to. It's like the Apostle Paul said, I know in whom I have believed. I just don't know about who I have believed in, but I know him in whom I have believed. When we remember who we are, it sends fear to flight. Someone say dismember and remember. Remember the Lord God who is awesome. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10 and 3 and 5 that we're in a spiritual battle. We've talked a lot about that as a church body. But there's three things in there I want to bring in mind before I go to my second main point. The Bible says that we are attacked by the enemy with thoughts. Everyone say thoughts. Everyone say thoughts. Speculations. And lofty things. If you've ever been with me in a service, the more you talk, the faster I can go. It just works so good for both of us. Someone say thoughts, speculations, and lofty things. Thoughts are those ideas that just come into your mind. Recently, a minister over a period of years surveyed 120,000 people. Yes. And he asked them, have you ever been driving down the road? And these were all believers. And a thought came into your mind, drive off this road and crash into that tree. End your life. He said two-thirds of the people I asked this admitted that that thought had come into their mind. Thoughts are random ones like that. Speculations are the what-if questions. What if I have cancer? What if my wife getting home late means that she is being unfaithful to me? What if my son or daughter is taking drugs? What if my daughter gets pregnant? Have you ever noticed that your enemy, when you are trying to drive fear out and remember the faithfulness of God, that he never tells you the what if you make a million this year? Come on, somebody. The what if you get promoted on your job? Come on, someone. The what if that you're so blessed tomorrow by the goodness of a father who is eternal and awesome, we're speaking of God, that you get up with your joy returned to you like it used to be? Has, have you ever noticed the what ifs of you're going to make it, you're going to be blessed, you're going to get through this, God's got this, you've got this, we've got this. Have you noticed your enemy never wakes you up? I'm, am I the only one? At 3 a.m. and say, what if? This is the day. Oh, I've had the Holy Spirit to wake me up and sing very quietly. Something good is about to happen to you. Something beautiful is coming your way. But I know the difference between that and that tyrant voice, that terrorist voice that wakes you up and says, what if the world crashes? What are you going to do? So you go down and you build a big bunker underneath your house and lock up all your guns and look out your little peering window for the end of days. I serve a God who has his Holy Holy Spirit in this earth and I believe the God who created this earth is the God who can get us through the end times by his grace his strength and his glory somebody give God a hand clap of praise the what ifs and then those speculations that prey upon our fears those lofty things are philosophies philosophies of the world philosophies of the television philosophies of the internet philosophies of the I can't change even if I wanted to you know which is saying I was born homosexual and I can't change that is a humanistic 
philosophy. If someone, and I've had a great love for alternate lifestyles, walked a lot of people through and been called one who loves them too much, that's okay with me. You want to talk about me? Say she loves a sinner too much. I've never seen that woman love religious people like she loves a sinner. I hope they say that about me. I hope at the end of the, my days they say she was a friend to sinners. She was not afraid to put her arms around the broken and the despised and the dejected and those that are ashamed and say you've got a better life coming come on somebody anybody with me but I'm going to tell you to that human philosophy that's a philosophy that makes God so small and powerless and the enemy so big and powerful what I love to say you might have been born a certain way but guess what if any man be in Christ he is a new creature you can be reborn again nothing 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 is impossible with God somebody Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Come on now. Look at your neighbor and say, dismember and remember. You would think by now we would recognize the devices. You would think by now we would recognize the caution tape around the crime scene. Come on. The caution tape is the word of God around the crime scene of the enemy. You think by now we would recognize his and circumvent his conquest over us in our minds, in our hearts. With a lie and speculations, he's used Against all generations. He used it against Israel in Nehemiah 4. He used it against Jeremiah in Lamentations 3. But he said, for this reason I have hope. Every morning the new mercies of the Lord appear. If I think I exhausted every mercy from yesterday, guess what? I just woke up. Sometimes when you wake up feeling shame, fearful, doubtful, frightful, like I do sometimes, remind yourself, well, my goodness, at 12.01, this became a new day. And when a new day dawned, new mercies filled the earth. So let me tell you something. I'm walking away from this crime scene. I'm not calling C. CSI, Law and Order, PQT, LLL. I'm not even calling Jack Bauer. Come on, someone. I'm not calling any of these people. But what I am going to do is get up out of this crime scene. I'm going to not make my life a reality TV show, but I'm going to get up and say the Lord's work in my life is an open rebuke against the enemy. I'm going to stand and remember the Lord God and his new mercies. Great is his faithfulness somebody give him a shout of praise we're coming to the end come on I love it let me tell you something here are a few keys to overcoming fear or here's a key to overcoming fear do not ever ever talk to the devil without your advocate present do never talk without your attorney present and that's Jesus Christ first John 2 and 1 says he is your advocate he is your mediator he is our elder brother who had already defeated death he is our elder brother who his blood, as Josh often sings, speaks a better word than any other phrase I've heard upon the earth. His blood speaks. You can't, I can not speak to my enemy. By no means should we negotiate with a terrorist. Sometimes we think we can. I've often said that's like, I've never watched these movies. I know what you did last summer, next fall, last spring, coming autumn, scream. I don't like ghost stories. I've never watched um, Hannibal Cannibal, Shannibal Tannibal. I've never watched those, but I think sometimes when people have told me the plot lines, I just don't like scary movies. It's, I have sensitive gates. I've learned to guard them so the Holy Spirit can keep fear out. Amen? And uh, that's my personal opinion. You can do whatever you want to, um, but just don't call me to cast that demon off your head. That's all I'm saying. Come on, someone. But at any rate, I think sometimes it's like in those movies trying to talk the murderer out of taking your head off. 
Friday, Freddy, Freaky, Saturday, whatever. It's like trying to talk them out of taking your life. We watched, you know, those movies. I think I did go to Friday 13th when I was at Lee. Some Lee students told me, I remember that. Is that Jason Krugler, Kugler, Tugler, something like that? And I remember, Freddy, whoever he is, and I remember just running out of the theater so scared. And like those people, no, don't kill me, don't kill me. I mean, he's killed. A thousand people in that movie, but bless the Lord, oh my soul, if I just ask him, he's just going to walk off and this is going to be the end of it. Come on, somebody. And we feel that way sometimes about our enemy in areas we've let him invade our life. No, 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 please don't take me out. I know I've walked with you. I've partnered with you. I've done things I shouldn't have, but please don't take me out. There is no negotiating with a terrorist. There is no negotiating with Satan. There is no peace treaty. He'll try to get us to make a peace treaty. Make peace with me, addiction will say. Make peace with me, pornography will say. Make peace with me, trouble will say. Unfaithfulness will say, just make peace with me. Don't fight me. Don't fight me. Wrong perception will say, make peace with me. That's actually one of the lines out of one of the greatest wars between God's people. When Hezekiah was king, but we won't go there. Sennacherib said, make peace with me. Make peace with me and I'll give you a land like your own. It won't be your own, but I'll give you something like it. That's what the enemy comes. He wants to negotiate. Okay, just accept that you're going to be unfaithful the rest of your life. Make peace with me. And I'll give you what you always wanted. It's, it's interesting that the enemy always tells it in his words. Because Sennacherib says, I'll give you a place like your own. Did you notice? Not your own. Like your own. Meaning you'll be in bondage to me the rest of your life. You'll have a little portion of land. But guess what? When I remember the Lord who is awesome and wonder, the second thing when I recount his works, I remember that every time an enemy came up against God's people, God's people, when they stood with God and they obeyed God, they didn't get a corner of the land. They got every piece of every promise that God had given them because God is awesome and we recount the works and the wonders and the miracles of our God. Somebody give him praise. In the book of Zechariah 3, it was that point where the enemy was trying to negotiate. Joshua the priest. One of my favorite passages, it just came in here in Joshua and the priest Zechariah, the priest Joshua, excuse me, and Zechariah the prophet. And it says, he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan was standing to his right hand. You see, this man is standing before the angel, but Satan is standing right there to the right hand. This terrorist has no fear of standing there for a moment. And he's accusing Joshua the priest. That means he's pointing out every flaw he has. That means he's pointing out everything he knows. I've had people not want to, to participate in um, casting out demons because they'll say, they might know everything about me. And I said, but for the blood, they know everything about all of us. But we go by the blood, amen? And um, so he's standing there ready to accuse him. And it says, the Lord, everyone say, the Lord. The Lord said to Satan, listen to this, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. You see, we don't stand with the terrorists, the enemy. We remember the Lord who is awesome. And wonderful. We recount the works of the Lord, the second thing. We recount the miracles of the Lord. So we stand with our attorney, our advocate against the enemy. This is what he goes on to say. He says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. And he doesn't argue. Pastor Todd, you know some of my favorite points. He doesn't argue any of the points that he's accused Joshua. That's what I love about Jesus. He doesn't, well, let's just discuss how Pastor Rhonda is the most ugly person in the universe. Let's discuss how short her temper is. I'm saying all the things I'm not, people. Come on now. Um, let's just discuss this and that about her. You see, the Lord doesn't come back and say, well, I know she's a bad dog, but, and I know on Saturday this, 
this and on Friday this. No, this is what the Lord says. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen, let me just put my name here, Rhonda rebuke you. Is she not just a brand plucked from the fire? What the Lord is saying in that moment, you know what? I'm not going to discuss with you, Satan, every point of weaknesses in my children. I am not going to italicize and paraphrase and put it in the outline and pass it out to all the friends on Facebook, even though your enemies want to do that. Come on, someone. I'm not going to post it. I'm not going to tweet about it. I'm not going to post on Instagram. I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to say is the Lord rebuke you. My work in your life, in his life, in her life is a standing wall against you, Satan. You see, the Lord's work in our life is an open rebuke to the powers of darkness. When the princes mess with us, they trespass into dangerous territory. We are made safe by the blood of Jesus and not our own. So we can say we remember the Lord who is awesome and glorious. And secondly, we recount his works. He is the God who Isaiah said, I love the framework of some of the other translations, chase the enemy with his hot breath across the desert. The Lord who sent away the adversaries of his people with their plans. I got to act this out. In their teeth. Why they'll gnaw their teeth to their gums is what one translation said. Their plans that were thwarted, that were torn in half, that were destroyed because of the good name of the Lord of hosts. And somebody ought to give him praise because in your life you can recount Things you don't know and things you do know. When the enemy meant to take you out. When the enemy meant to say she's mine, he's mine. But the Lord chased the enemy of discouragement off the hot path of that desert. The Lord chased fear out of the bedroom of the dark night of your soul. The Lord chased worry like a taskmaster with a rope beating his tail in all the way away from his people. So recount the works of the Lord and dismiss fear and give God the glory somebody praise him this morning somebody praise him Chris if you'll come help me if you're on the guitar and let me I'll start winding down but don't think I'm fixing the clothes got a few more minutes you see here's the deal remember everyone say remember don't remember your mama honor your mama remember her good mother. what I'm talking about remember I'm talking about call to mind the remembrance the greatness of your God in a moment or a season of your life he is faithful in spring and summer, and give mercy. He gives mercy and love. The Bible says in Hebrews 4 and 16, we recount the works of God. It says to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we might find grace and mercy to help in the time of need. You see, when terrorist spirits are hunting us down, the enemy has many spirits. I'm not here to talk about him. I'm here to talk about Jesus. But he does. And when he comes against us, I, I like to envision us as sons and daughters of the Most High God, just running into that palace, watch this, jumping on the lap of the Most High Savior, Jesus, sitting in his lap on that huge throne that is way too big, our feet dangling, can you get the picture? On the bottom, and whispering into his ear, Jesus, I need you. I love that picture of whispering to his ear, Jesus, I'm being stalked by this thing. I'm being haunted by this thing. Jesus, I need your strength. 
I need your power. I love that visual so much. But what I love equally as much, or almost as much, is the enemy peering in the window of that palace, of the heavenly place, where the Bible says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And the enemy peering in through that window and see me whispering, not in Oprah's ear, come on somebody, not in Ryan Seacrest's ear, not in anybody else's ear, but Christ, the one who crushed his head. When he sees you and I whispering into the ear of Christ, he then realizes it's done. It's done. Once we begin to call upon the Lord, I love the Lord because he heard my voice. So I will cry unto him all my days, the psalmist said, because as I've often told you, he bends down to listen, Psalms. psalmist says. So I will pray as long as I have breath. I love the Lord because I cried unto him. Psalms 18. He heard my voice out of his heavens. He did come. He shook the earth with his glory and his strength. The Lord came. And then I know my enemy is gone. Third, secondly, we are to recount his works. We are to recount his works. We are to be careful what we're recounting otherwise. As I come to a third point, just a second. Hang with me. You see, Ezekiel spoke to a boneyard. Ezekiel spoke to an ancient burial ground in, he, in the Bible, in the book of Ezekiel. He spoke to it, and he called it to come to life, and it did. Dead bones became an exceeding great army because God said, Speak, Ezekiel, into this situation and speak life, and it did. So I wonder, is it possible with our tongue that we can speak Dead things to life, is it possible to take a mighty army and reduce it to a pile of bones? It is. Is it possible for you and I with our own words? Scientists have discovered that there is 1,200 words per minute we say to ourselves. That is so scary. And some of us about 5,000, don't you think? About 1,200 words per minute. 1,100 of them through a university study has said are negative self-talk. We reduce what could be an exceeding great army inside of us with negative self-talk. See, nobody can get into this brain and politicians and marketing gurus have understood the principle of repetition. That's why you have those infomercials and you go buy those stupid things that do not work at Bed Bath & Beyond. Come on, someone. It'll do your hair. It'll get your pad. It'll walk up the wall. All those things. Because people tend to hear, believe what they hear repeated, whether it's true or not the principle of repetition that's why some of us need to begin to open our mouth to speak the good things about each other and the good things about the Lord we need to recount those things to ourselves. Rhonda Davis has to be careful no matter what anyone else says to Rhonda Davis about her life it's what Rhonda Davis says to herself about herself that's going to make a difference and listen I or no one else is beyond this how transformational would it be if you and I began to speak with what James calls like a rudder of a ship if we begin to speak over our own life the things that God says if we begin to recount to ourselves how good God has been if we begin to recount the things that are true and honorable and praiseworthy and lovely and excellence and good you see we can't afford to have a thought in our heads that's not his what could happen to us a friend of mine in um, named Chris Ballantin acquaintance I must say he uh, went his school brought in a palm reader when he was young and the palm reader would not read his hand he didn't know about this and the palm reader 
just kept pushing him away. And he, and he wasn't a Christian. Palm readers are not. I've had a few send me some letters that knew some things they should not have known. Do not consult with a palm reader. They only wrote me because I was trying to intervene. But listen, the palm reader wouldn't read his hand. They just kept pushing. Read my hand. Read my pen. Come tell me my astrological sign. Please don't, don't mess with such things. Ouija boards don't mess with any of them. They're gates. And he read his, the person read his palm and said, I didn't want to tell you, but your life is going to end suddenly at a very young age in a disaster. Well, this young man, before he found Christ, he lived with such worry and such oppression. Chris Valentin has written some of the greatest books in our time in this day. Is there the great church in Redding, California that's having so many miracles? Blinded eyes I mean, from the dead. I mean, bona fide, amazing miracles. And Chris Valentin just kept, kept speaking that over himself. You're going to die. She saw it. She knew other things about you that no one else knew. Because the palm reader read some other things. Why? Because a familiar spirit lived inside the palm reader that tracked in to things from the underground. That's why we don't mess with such things. But when he found Christ, he was taught by an elder in the Lord. Begin to renounce anything anyone has ever said. And I encourage anyone to do this. Anything, anyone, if anyone ever told you you're a loser, renounce it. If you told yourself that, renounce it. Say, oh no, I remember the Lord who is great and awesome. I recount his wonderful works. And so I'm going to reform my vision of who Jesus is and who I am in Christ. You see, he began to recount it. He began to deny it. He began to say, these words come to death. Ironically, he got sick for about two days and the Lord sovereignly touched him and healed him. He is 63 years old. The palm reader said he would die at the age of 20. Why? Because that was the devil's will. But how many know God's will is God's sovereignty to those who surrender their lives to him? Let's give him praise this morning. Mighty God. So as we close... We recount his wonderful works and then we reform our vision of him. Beloved friends, brothers and sisters, I myself find myself at my age at 52 being blessed with such godly parents, filled with the precious Holy Spirit at the age of four. I find myself so many times needing to do all three of these points. I do. I catch myself and begin to speak to myself. I usually share with my beloved husband, my best friend, He's so good to encourage me. One thing about that man, he just does not discourage me. Oh, he, he'll tell me when he thinks he's out of line. Rhonda, you've gone too far, babe. Rhonda, you need to not, you, you act an ugly girl. Come on, you're getting ugly. Come on, girl. But he always encourages me with hope. But most of the things I don't even say to anyone, but I begin to speak to myself. That loser mentality that comes on us in different seasons of life. Seasons of 52 of things we didn't deal with when we were 20. Seasons of 13 that we didn't deal with when we were 8. Seasons of being a young adult and looking for affirmation from other people. The horrible thing about lust is you look and you look and you look for attention and affirmation from someone. And you keep looking to them, even if they're a godly person. But it's never enough. They can never give you enough. But when you look to God, when you reform your focus of God and you receive it from Him, you'll find He gives the affirmation and the acceptance that will set you free. Whether you're 110, I've seen some 110 year old women that rocked that thing. Come on now. They knew who they were in Christ. Oh, they'd walk in maybe on a cane, but good Lord, I'd look at an 18 year old hottie. Come on, somebody. And she 
paled in comparison to that 102-year-old woman who walked in knowing who she was in God because she had that glow that man cannot take, that the grave cannot take, that people's opinion cannot take. Let me assure you, you need to speak the right things to yourself. Everyone say, renounce. That wasn't one of my points, but it's coming forth. Renounce over yourself anything you've spoken over yourself. I find myself saying things to myself. I don't even want to repeat. Putting myself down in my mind and saying things to myself. That, that you would just be shocked. You that love me would say, there's be absolutely no reason. But you see how the enemy comes in and makes it a crime scene? And I begin to speak to myself in my mind. That's why what we're doing on Wednesday night is so powerful. The Word of God. Rhonda, you are accepted and beloved. I just become Joel Osteen to my own self. Come on, somebody. Rhonda, I begin to smile at my own self. Rhonda, you know you are delightful to the Lord. I begin to take scripture and I begin to speak because it's proven. You believe what you say to yourself more than anyone else. That's why I understand now, Mish, why I can teach some people and they don't get it. Because until they began to speak through the years of pastoring, I don't talk about anybody here, but for the years of pastoring, people who never got it because they never said the right things to themselves. Your brother can say it over you. Your mama, they can vote you homecoming queen, Miss Beauty America, Miss, Miss Mr. Wrestler, handsome, hunka hunka, born in love, you Mr. Elvis, you, I don't know, whatever you are. But until you say to yourself, God has chosen you, Todd Haggard. God has delighted in you, Todd Haggard. You are a winner by the word. Well, are you just trying to go positive? No, you only go as far as the word says over you. And the word calls you the accepted and the beloved. That you are delightful to the Lord. That you are cared for by him. That he knows the plans he has for you. Plans for hope and for a future. Give him one more praise and we're winding up. Refocus, reform your vision of God by sharing your testimony. In Psalm 78, a very disparaging verse says about the sons of Ephraim. They were great warriors. They were great warriors. They were trained. They were skilled. I'm at 35 to 40, Pastor Todd. I shouldn't have said it, but I'm almost done. Sons of Ephraim were archers equipped with bows. Yet the Bible says they turned back in the day of battle. Why? It says this. They didn't keep the covenant of God. See, they were skilled. They were trained with bows. That's a visual that God's painting a picture right there of a man or a woman who is equipped with all the right stuff. Got the right talent because we all have the right talents. We all have the right gifts that God gave us. The right abilities, the right smarts. We got, we got all we need. God gave it to us. He gave it to us. Got all the right things. We said they turned back in the battle, day of battle. There they were, with, they were equipped. They were, they were the bowmen that would make the elves on, I never get their names right on Lord of the Rings, look like nothing. I mean, they would just, and they would just shoot the target. Because they had the right stuff. Why'd they turn back, Bethany? I'll tell you why they turned back. They forgot God's deeds. Courtney, they forgot his mercies that he had shown them in the past. They began to be afraid. They forgot. They didn't retell their testimony. They didn't tell. I heard about a church that keeps a journal of victories. I love this. Right now, if testimonies were, it's 12 o'clock. If, if I'd ended early, I might have done this. Testimonies of Mish Kid, whose car wouldn't go up the snow two weeks ago. It rolled down her street. I've been up her street many times because our girls are friends. And, and, I, and it, her car came rolling down. Her car went into a yard. When it did, a man came rolling down in front of her and 
punched her car as hard as it did. Probably told it, not sure it was a paid for car. But guess what? She got out of that car and called her husband and went home. Somebody give God a praise for that. Recall those testimonies. This church keeps a journal of things that God has done. We used to do this, mom and dad. You remember in the older days, I love testimony services. Because you know this church says that when they go to face their bills, you might want to do this at home. They begin to recount all the great things that God has done. And they spend 20 minutes Recounting the works, every miracle. You know Ashley Gunner got saved off of meth. Her parents got saved off of meth. They cooked meth. Yeah, they cooked meth and distributed it. So did Ashley. She got in so much trouble. But she went to Hope House and she got delivered. Come on, somebody. We recount the testimony of the Lord. Wendy was a blackout alcoholic the first day she came to Hope. Yeah, she was shaking the first day in class. I thought, well, she's going to bolt. She's not going to make it. We prayed. I knew she's Baptist. I knew this Pentecostal spirit-filled kind of hopped-up girl might scare the living daylights out of her. But we reached over and we prayed for her. And they walked it out. And guess what? It's been how long? Two years. And Wendy is still clean. We recount the works of the Lord because testimonies remind us of another realm of kingdom provision. When Jesus said to the disciples in the boat, and we're done, I'll tell a couple more testimonies and we're going to stand and praise. The disciples in the boat after they were going across the sea and he speaks to them about the bread and I, I, I'll make this another message for another time. But he thinks they're mad at him because they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't bring enough bread. But what he's saying to you, what he's saying to them in that moment, he said, no, I'm warning you about the leaven of the Pharisees, that leaven that eats your heart out and makes God little and the devil big. I'm warning you because I'm trying to show you that when I multiplied those loaves and breads, you was never going to have to worry about bread again. Never. Because you saw me do something. It should have raised you up to another level of kingdom faith provision. Let me tell you, things that I have faced in my life, once you face the fear head on, you get to the point where I ain't never going to worry about that again. Mish kid, hopefully by God's grace, will not worry if a car's headed to her. Guess what? She got up. The bread was kept alive and God kept her. So did Wendy and Ashley. Every miracle in your life was sent to raise you up to another level of provision to begin to say, you know what? If God did that I'll never have to worry again his supernatural ability that rescued me on every point to this place will keep me no matter how desperate the situation is so when we get down to business we remember the Lord who is great and awesome we recount his works everything he's done the Bible that's why you can't get too much of what's in here I preach this in my prayer time I preach this in my mind to myself it brings life it's double-edged it's powerful it's mighty it drives off the enemy terrorist and then we reform our vision of who God is by speaking the right things about him to ourselves. when we begin to negative self-talk we begin to speak what God has said in this room is Pastor Todd Haggard who unfortunately and much to his dismay had his family to leave him. We didn't know that he would ever survive, but this year it comes to be three years. He's stronger than ever. He's wiser than ever. He's more of a servant than ever. And God has kept him alive. Somebody give praise to Jesus. We recount Austin Chadwick, whose daddy died when he was a little boy, who never thought he could live through life without a father. But guess what? 
Austin grew up in the image of the most high God because of parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles. And guess what? Today, he is a son of the most high God that was raised without an earthly father, but a heavenly father made him more than he could imagine. Let's give God praise in this house. And I could pass the mic around to every one of you this morning and you could give testimony to what he's done. Remember the Lord and dismember fear off of yourself. He is awesome. Speak the right things into your season. Speak the right things about your situation. Let's stand all over this building this morning, if you would. And all over this house, I want you, if you're comfortable, either with eyes closed or with hands lifted up, I want you just to lift up hands to the Father. I want you just to remember Him this morning for just a moment. I want you to remember His goodness. Remember His awesomeness. Remember his provision to you. Remember everything that he has ever done. He has been faithful. Father God, as we lift up our hands, we thank you. We thank you for a grandbaby born this week to Kelly, Lord. We thank you. I don't even know the story yet on that grandbaby, but I know it's a miracle that baby is here. We thank you, Father, for stretching your hand out over every red sea in our life, every unmovable mountain. We want to thank you right now, God, for every moment we shut